Today's episode is brought to you exclusively by the good folks at Blue Note Therapeutics. Blue Note creates digital therapeutics to help cancer patients cope with the emotional distress of our disease. Check out their premier product, COVID Cancer Care, at covidcancercare.com, and we'll keep you posted on more programs that they're going to be releasing soon. Welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I'm Trevor Maxwell. I'm a stage four colon cancer survivor, and I've got a message for other men. You don't have to go through this alone. What does it mean to man up to cancer? It means reaching out instead of isolating. It means having the courage to accept help along the way. To me, manning up isn't just about being tough. It's about knowing that we're stronger and smarter as a pack than we are as lone wolves. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. We have an awesome guest today, even though he's a Cardinals fan, uh, but we'll get to that. Um, So, Kellen Wellborn, how are you, buddy? Good to see you, co-pilot. Yeah, no, good. Sunny day. So I think that has shifted everything, at least for the day, mood-wise. Yeah, exactly. We're good. And I was able to get on my uh, trainer bike today. I would like to do mountain biking outside, but there's a bunch of snow here still. Uh, So I got on my trainer today, got a good sweat going, so I'm winning. Our guest today is in a sunnier, nicer place. He's in the Midwest. Dan Duffy joins us today from St. Louis. How's it going, Dan? Uh, you know, it's actually going well, and I'm thrilled that we we actually do have nice weather today. It's 72 degrees. Um, uh, less than a month ago, maybe three weeks ago, it was minus four. Um, so it is amazing, Kellen, just like you said, what a sunny day will do for your mood. Um, although I've got to be careful because I'm a ginger. And, and I married a ginger and we had two ginger kids. I mean, they had no say in it whatsoever. And it's like one of my kids said, you know, about being in the sun. Sure. I can make my own vitamin D, (laughs) but at what cost? (laughs) So that that's one drawback. The advantage is like, if you're in a theme park or something, you're just like ginger family, you know, family kill circle and you can spot them pretty easily. They are. I have to say, uh, like picking them up from school, it is easy. They're one of maybe three gingers. And I mean, and, so, and their hair's really long and their heads look like they're on fire. So I can pick them out of a crowd like there's nobody's business. Or just bring that other random ginger home just in case, just as a fallback, you know, you know, just default structure. There's not many of us left. I mean, we're, we're trying. I mean, my wife and I tried to repopulate the species. And then there was that kind of, it was a false thing that National Geographic put out that said, you know, within a hundred years that, uh, that gingers will be extinct. Um, but it's fun. You know what? You have to roll with the punches. I've actually shown both of my boys, the, uh, South Park episode about ginger kids, and they both <laughs> yes. think it's the funniest thing in the world. So, you know what? We're, we're embracing our gingerhood. I love that. You are a Cardinals fan. Yes, I am. And did you see what Yadi Molina did over the weekend? No. Oh, this is so great. So the tagline is, Siri, why don't you tell us why you don't run on Yadi Molina? And apparently there's this rookie named Siri who was pinch running. And this is in a meaningless uh, Grapefruit League game. And Yadi's behind the dish. It's in the seventh inning. And this guy, Siri, makes it look like he's going to run on Yachty. And so he tries to pick him off from the plate to first base. And this kid gets up and literally wags his finger at Molina going, no, 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 you don't do that. No, oh, no. And Molina literally looked at the kid and motioned to second and basically said, I dare you. (laughs) 
Three pitches later, Siri takes off and Molina gunned him out by 10 feet. And then as he, and it was a strikeout throw him out and it was the end of the inning. And as Molina is walking back to the dugout, he's just staring this guy right in the face going, I'll see you back in the minors, kid. I mean, it was so ugly and beautiful all at once. There- there's so many components to that story that make it so beautiful. The fact that the guy's name is Siri is is pretty awesome. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so I love that story. Unfortunately, Kellen, she didn't follow. Yeah, she didn't. She you didn't follow a single thing you that you just said. But but I loved it. So thank you for sharing that. You um, as a re- lifelong Red Sox fan, I am okay with the Cardinals. I'm just happy that we beat you in the World Series. But you, you beat know, us twice. It is what it is. Yeah, twice. I didn't want to bring. I, I didn't want to. No, you know what? You know what's weird? Like, I have to say that, don't get me wrong. I mean, when the Blues beat the Bruins in 19 for the Stanley Cup, oh. that I took great, great delight in that. That's but by, fair. But but I have to say, by the same token, I don't hate the Red Sox at all. Um, you know, that's exactly how I feel about the Cardinals, right? Mm-hmm. But that, oh yeah, that Bruins series, that was a tough one. Oh my goodness. The Cardinals have a better logo. It is pretty can, spectacular. You know, that's Kellen, what I'll weigh in with. As a as as a, <laughs> they're, they're, as a Vermonter right now, I'm just going to say like, <laughs> we are we are going to troll you. This is you're never going to live that down. I feel like Vermonters don't really have the same New England uh, pull towards. Oh oh no 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 just just you that's just just, you. (laughs) All right, we got to move on to actually talking about cancer. Apparently, absolutely, because I I think I think that's what brings us here. Well, I mean, we try to avoid talking about it most of the time on this show, but um, Dan Duffy, let me just do a a brief intro here. (laughs) He is a filmmaker, Hmm? video producer, author, speaker, Mm -hmm. blogger, many other errs. He's also Hmm. an accidental activist, which more on that in a minute. He is a testicular cancer survivor, and he's coming up on the 20-year mark pretty soon, I believe. Um, It is pretty soon. So today is the 10th. I actually found out 18 years ago this coming Friday that I had testicular cancer. And it was really odd how I found out. Uh, I was having really, really bad back pain. Now, I've had a few things actually happen to my back in the past, one of which happened in October of 96. I was driving my Jeep home. And as I was just, and I I had the four banger engine, so I couldn't speed in this thing if I tried. Just as I'm about to pass a rig, a guy whipped in behind the 18 wheeler, did not see my lights until the very last minute. And the cops say he slowed down to approximately 105 miles an hour before impact. (laughs) Oh, good thing he slowed down there. Right, exactly, right? (laughs) So it sent my Jeep into a spin And because I was in the fast lane, it hit the flip wall. And so the Jeep started to flip as well as spin at the same time. And I was actually thrown out at 60 miles an hour. And and I'm flying backwards. And I remember actually watching her flip as I'm in midair. And right before I hit the ground as I'm flying backwards, this voice popped into my head that said, Dan, keep your head up. So I planted my chin to my chest. And that's when I hit shoulders first. And I skipped like a rock across a lake. And then I literally stood up uh, wondering what the Hades just happened. Now, there's no way I should have walked away from that. There's no way I should have survived that. So when all this back pain started happening, I'd gone to see chiropractors. I'd even gotten an epidural steroid injection. And I literally thought that this is nothing but 
arthritis coming back now to haunt me because I got so lucky prior to this. Sure. And and then um, I finally couldn't take the pain anymore. And I called my my buddy, the chiropractor, and I'm in tears. And I've been going through this for about six months. And I, I without even knowing it, I had actually lost 50 pounds because when I'd start to eat, my stomach would expand. And it turns out I had a very large tumor in my abdomen. And the stomach would expand, would push on the tumor, which would push on the spine, which would cause back pain. So I'd stop eating. Um, and I lost 50 pounds in five months. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. And because the tumor was getting bigger, I couldn't tell that I was shrinking. So when I found out that that I, I felt something in my abdomen, I went and I got an emergency CT scan and they called me back and they're like, we think you have lymphoma. We'd like to do a biopsy. We can needle it or we can cut you open. So I, I had him I had him cut me open because I was tired of dealing with this and I wanted to be absolutely sure. And my oncologist called me and he goes, We've hit a home run, it's testicular. And I'm like, So you're saying I have cancer? He goes, Yeah, but it's the good, yeah, but you've got testicular. I'm like, no, stop, stop. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're saying I have cancer. And he goes, Yeah, I'm saying you have cancer. And at that point, I have to say I was kind of relieved. And the reason why I was relieved is because there's nothing worse than being told we can't find anything wrong with you. At least if they find something wrong with you, then you at least can start to form a plan on how you're going to actually get through it. And once you have that, I think that's over half the battle. Not knowing is, is way worse. So you were 29, right? I was 20. Yep, I was. And it was 2001, 2002? It was 2002. 2002, you're 29 mm -hmm. years old. You yep. just hear this, you have cancer and your, um, your oncologist who let's just say right now has the best oncology name in the world, <laughs> Dr. Burt needles. Yes. Oh my God. I know I, he is. Um, and he lived up to his name. I, I had more, uh, pins and pricks and needles put into my arms than I ever thought I'd have in my life. But I have to say he is an amazing oncologist. Um, and I have, and he really had a good bedside manner. Yeah. Um, what's, what's really, really crazy is I was in a whirlwind. I, I had no idea like what was going on. And my mom who is, and my dad, they're both with me at the time. My mom is my advocate. So he's telling me all this stuff we're going to do. We're going to do these three drugs, um, VP16, cisplatin and bleomycin. And uh, we're going to do 20 rounds of it, five rounds for a week solid, two weeks off, blah, blah, blah. And there's just numbers going through my head. And I don't understand any of this. And my mother doesn't understand any of this. So Dr. Niels was just like, any questions? And <laughs> I have none. My mom has none. My dad, who never says boo to a doctor, said, doctor, my father died of esophageal cancer. And in his memory, I've been donating to Memorial Sloan Kettering in his honor. And they just happened to write me a letter three months ago saying if I, anyone in my family ever had cancer, if, if we needed anything, they would step in to help. Is there any way that you'd be willing to, to call them? And what's crazy is Dr. Needles, without missing a beat, said, I did my residency at Sloan Kettering. I'll be happy to call him. Now, not only did he not put it off, he called that day. And there's so many dominoes that had to fall the correct way. But Sloan Kettering, not a month prior, it had not even made it into the New England Journal of Medicine yet, had just done a study. And for my particular type of testicular cancer, they had ruled bleomycin medically unnecessary. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of that drug or known anybody who's been on it, but bleo's nickname is the carpet bomber because it kills 
everything. Yes. So, and we talked about, you know, like the fact that I have two little ginger kids. I have to think, and we had them the natural way. We didn't have to do IVF. So I have to say, if I'm on Blio, those two children don't exist. And not only that, but if I don't have the doctor I have who is good enough to absolutely say, yeah, I'll allay your fears. I'll totally call Sloan Kettering. And for them to actually listen to him and say, if you say it's medically unnecessary, it's medically unnecessary. And I never got it. Yeah. And you're speaking to the piece of this, which is luck. As a cancer patient, you have to have love. You have to have resources. You have to have luck too. But man, like, so, cause when you get in that shoot, if you're connected to the right people and the universe is all lined up like that, then man, that's awesome. Um, and, and so it sounds like you, from, from the start, we're with someone who was going to say, Hey, we got you and we're going to get you to the point where you're cancer free. Absolutely. In fact, he actually said, we've got this, which is crazy. I didn't think oncologists were legally allowed to say that, but he just, he knew it in his heart of hearts that he, we had this. In fact, what's, what's crazy is he was so confident, not in his abilities necessarily, but in in the science behind what he did, and he really understood uh, like what the drugs did and, and what the, the treatments were, so much so that I had a friend who was going through uh, triple negative breast cancer, and she was going to a different hospital, and one night, by luck, I just happened to be on Facebook, and she pops up and says, I don't know how it's supposed to be, but I know it's not supposed to be like this. Can somebody help me? And I was one of the few people that I knew that she had reached out with to say that she had cancer because she knew my story. So I immediately reached out and she told me that she's at the wrong hospital. Um, she doesn't feel safe. She she literally thinks she's going to die. She's got two daughters. She doesn't know what to do. And I said, do you want me to reach out to my oncologist? And she said, please. And so I did the next day. Dr. Needle's nurse got a hold of my friend. They talked. Dr. Needle saw her the next day, looked at all her charts and said, we've got this. And she is still here to this day, 14 years later. That's how good this guy was. They, I thank God for him every day. Love stories like that. And so you got in the shoot, into the treatment. So heavy chemo, <laughs> surgery. Oh, yeah. yeah, obviously. So you're in the thick of it. It's really funny. Usually when people talk about nausea, uh, cause that, that's the worst. Like, <laughs> it's funny. You're told all these things that may or may not happen. <laughs> so you're like, you could have like, pardon me getting graphic here, but you may have really bad diarrhea or severe constipation. Well, which is it, you know, and it all depends on what your DNA is going to do with the drugs that they are going to pump into you. And so, and you're going to get the sweats and you're going to get tingles and you're going to get this and that. And then there's this in fatigue, but then there's the throwaway word nausea. Now, usually when people have nausea, they think of a bad bender that they've had in college um, where, you know, they're, they're praying for the porcelain to stay cold. Like, God, if you get me out of this, I will never drink again. Some people even add, and this time I mean it, um, but <laughs> nausea, nausea from chemotherapy doesn't work that way. What happens is because like when you have a bender and you evacuate the first time, usually you feel better. Some people even go on to keep drinking. We call it the boot and rally. Well, after that first evacuation, you feel better for five minutes and then it comes back. And then after a while, um, you have nothing left to evacuate, but you're still so nauseous. Your body doesn't know that there's nothing left in there. And then it starts to become very, very painful to like start retching, et cetera, et cetera. 
And that's just day one. Then you hit day two and day three and day four and day five and day six. And about day between five and six, you have no idea how long this is going to last. And that's when the fear really sets in Um, because you have no idea how bad it's going to be. And I always remember, God rest his soul, a friend of mine, um, he's a standard comedian named Robert Schimmel. Um, he wrote an amazing book called Cancer on $5 a day. And a really, really, boy, if my books are reverent, his is beyond the pale. But he said something really interesting. He said, the really illicit part of cancer is not that you think you're going to die. It's when you get to the point where you don't care if you do. Yeah. And and there are, there are times when you absolutely positively hit that wall. And that first week after like day five and I'm going into day six and the nausea is not abating, like I'm terrified. But then this miraculous thing happens. Um, Day seven, like your chemo's now been done for about a week, day seven, and everything feels magnificent. Like it's like a cool breeze just blows through the house and doves are in every room. And like (laughs) you can hear like choir music singing like behind you. And you just feel amazing. And you think, man, I'm going to go take on the world. And and you can do some really stupid things. Like you can go out and hang out with friends and then get nauseous the next day, which I'm not saying whether I did or didn't do that. But, <laughs> um, but it, it's weird. You go from you can barely crawl to you literally want to fly away because it, it, it's literally like flipping a switch. It's amazing. And that's the beauty of week three. Uh, week one is is your chemo. Week two is you survive. Um, And then week three is, you know, it's kind of all's right with the world. And by the time like you get to the end of week three, you're like, all right, I'm ready for round two. And then I'm ready for round three. So it's it's very, very specific, like why it's kind of chosen that way, the timing and everything else. But and and at first when you hear it, it doesn't make sense because you're like, can't we speed this up? But but then like looking back, I thank God that he did not speed this up because it was fast enough as it is. So I know there's a lot of guys in our Howling Place group who are going to identify with that. And a lot of them who are in the shit right now that totally hear you, which so it's not lost on me that hearing you, someone who's coming up on two decades, you know, getting through that experience and and having a a, a life and a family and a career and all that stuff is really heartening. So this is good stuff. I want to transition to the emotional part of it. So man up to cancer exists because men suck at health. We, mm-hmm. we don't see our doctors. We don't do our cancer screenings. And when we do get diagnosed with cancer, we isolate and go into our, our man caves. And I really want to connect the dots because I've been doing you know more research around this. And on average, men are diagnosed at later stages of cancer, mm-hmm. have a higher risk of dying from cancer than women. And you've seen this firsthand with people having symptoms of testicular cancer and turtling Right. And it's always, uh, it's always a little disconcerting, both for men and women. I'm not going to, I mean, I'm I'm not going to sugarcoat that at all. It's always disconcerting when it has to do with the anatomical sexual bits, breasts, testicular, that kind of like, there's, there's always a little bit more, especially like on the guy side, like, oh my God, I'm, I'm so embarrassed. Um, when in reality, I've noticed that the more raw and the more open I've been, and I was there. You have to know, I was a 29-year-old boy who didn't have a primary care physician, who never went to the doctor. Dr. Needle said, you know, you are in pretty good physical shape. If he saw my diet, my (laughs) God, I mean, it was awful. 
And so I wasn't in, I was in worse shape than he will ever be in. Um, and, and I didn't take my health that seriously because we all think we're, we're unbreakable at that point. We're going to live forever. And when I was diagnosed with cancer, I wasn't, it didn't bother me that it was testicular so much, but it just kind of bothered me that I felt like I needed to take the weight of this on my own shoulders because it was bad enough that I was going through it. And I somehow felt a little bit guilty that I would have to put others through it as well. Absolutely. Um, the, like my fiance, who had become my wife, uh, my parents, uh, my friends, um, my brother. And so what I tended to do was uh, I kind of held it in. Even little things like I happened to be like staying at my parents' house at the time. And my mom's like, can I get you a banana? I'm like, nope, I'll go get a banana, you know, myself. By the way, slight digression. A banana is the only food in nature that tastes the exact same way coming up as it did going down. So I really, I, I have to actually um, <laughs> say that if you're feeling nauseous and you do have to get some sustenance in your system, it's Ensure Pedialyte and a banana because it's it will it will help you. Going back to where I was staying with my mom, um, can I get you a banana? No, I'll get it. Are you sure? And And here's the thing. Think about like when you ask someone if you can help them and you really want to help them and they accept it, doesn't it kind of give you a little bit of a charge? Like, yeah, I'm going to help this person. You know, I'm feeling good about my humanity. I, I deprived everyone of that. And I deprived myself of that. I'm like, no, I'll get it. You know, I, do, I don't want anybody waiting on me hand and foot. Um, and God forbid I tell anybody how I was really feeling because a lot of the time I was feeling okay. There was some of the time when it was just pure hell. And, and you go to, to some really dark places and the last thing you want to do is open up, especially if you're a guy, is to just open up at that point, especially, right. especially because it's such an unnatural feeling and experience and all or rather not normal experience. And all you want to do is feel as normal as possible. So the last thing you want to do is talk about it. But in reality, what I was doing was because I didn't want to share because I was trying to protect people, it's amazing how much worse people can make things in their own minds than if they actually knew the truth. Yeah, they're like, you know, hey, Dan's dying next week for sure. Yeah, that's that's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly it. And then imagine, you know, like your friends are saying that, like your, your mom may actually be thinking that. Um, and you know you're not going to die because everything's working and you just feel awful. And I really could have saved a lot of distress um, on the people closest to me had I just opened up. Reality, too, I would have saved myself a lot of stress because cancer is a really isolating feeling. And like when you're first going through it, you think I'm the only person who can possibly know how this feels. Uh, but when you when you actually go and, and you reach out and you discover there's lots of people who are going through it now or who have been through it and can teach you so much about how to make things easier because it's hard enough as it is when you don't know anything. Um, I think that's my biggest regret. My, my absolute, I have two big regrets. I have not opening up and I really should have. And, and now I try to get everybody to open up about it. That's number one. And number two, um, I never wanted to see myself sick. So I wouldn't let anybody take a picture of me. Uh, during like, say the six months when I was bald. Mm. Um, and what's really sad is some amazing things happened in those six months and there's nothing tangible for me to hold on to. All I have is my memories and, you know, God forbid my memories start to fade. I will then have nothing to remember them by. 
Okay, everybody, time for a quick show break and a shout out to one of our sponsors. They help us keep the Man Up to Cancer mission rolling. We want to thank Blue Note Therapeutics for sponsoring today's podcast. Man Up to Cancer only partners with companies that offer real solutions for our community. Blue Note's goal is to make digital therapeutics available to every cancer patient from diagnosis and treatment to survivorship. Digital therapeutics treat conditions like anxiety and depression related to cancer using evidence-based software. These therapies address the emotional distress that many of us face, and they're accessible anytime, anywhere on your computer or mobile device. Please check out Blue Note's premier product, COVID Cancer Care, at covidcancercare.com. Big shout out to Jeff, Laura, and the rest of the Blue Note team. We are so grateful for your support. As you say in the description for your book, which we'll mention in a bit, this was a period of your life in which you were systematically alienating everyone around you, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I thought it would be easier, to be honest with you, because, you know, I'm living through it. Why do I want to talk about it? Yeah. But by talking about it, you actually just relieve some of the burden off of yourself. And it's like Natalie Merchant has a great song called Trouble Me. Like, let me be your burden is basically what she's saying. Like, let me bear some of that burden because that's what we as humans do. I mean, we live in community and and we strive, you know, hopefully, you know, to help people and to, and to be good to one another. And so anytime you get to help shoulder the load, that's a good thing. I so love like being able to help my wife. Like if she's like in a bind and can't do something, I'm like, can I do this for you? I would love to do this for you. It, I also have to remember that it feels just as good to kind of lay that off on somebody. Like, is there any way you can help me with this? Oh my God, I would love to help you with this. That's part of our humanity. So, you know, at 40, I'll be 49 this year. I'm still learning about how to be a better human. My kids teach me that a lot, but cancer taught me a lot as well. And so while you talked earlier about, you know, like we don't like to talk about it, it's a subject that is now part of my DNA and I love talking about it. So hopefully someone won't make some of the same or like fall into the same pitfalls that I did. So you get to this point in your life. What happens next is that you are thrust into the survivorship world where you're no longer in active treatment. You have had successful treatment and then there's this survivorship word, whatever the heck it's supposed to mean. Like, do you put your cancer in the rear view mirror? Does it become part of your DNA and something that you is still part of your life? And you have this phrase I saw in your, in your Ted talk, the phrase that resonated with me was tragedy to purpose, right? So when did, when did that start manifesting itself in your life? It was almost kind of instantaneous. So what had happened was it was my my last chemotherapy session ever. And what had happened, we were we were out of town. I actually got the go-ahead to go to, I was born in Ireland and I got the go-ahead mid-treatment. We had had this trip planned already to go to Ireland and I was able to put off my last treatment because it had been so successful for an extra week. So we got there and so my last five treatments, instead of Monday through Friday in the normal kind of like chemo chair ward where you get it, it was going to be Tuesday through Saturday. So Tuesday through Friday is the chemo ward. Saturday happened in a hospital room and I had to be admitted. They give you the chemo and then when you're done, you leave. So usually like when someone has their last treatment, there's a place here in St. Louis called the Siteman Cancer Center and they ring a bell and like they make a big deal about it. And your oncology nurses are there and they're they're cheering you on and they're kicking you out the door and and everything's amazing. Um, And I didn't have that at all. And I didn't know that I even wanted it until I didn't get it. 
this nurse who had put, you know, the IVs in my arms and and fed me that glorious hospital lunch. Um, she, when she unhooked me, she goes, have a good weekend. And, and, and <laughs> I mean, it's seriously like I walked out. I'm in a fog anyway, because like the chemo head was going kind of full bore at that point. And I walked out of the room sort of in a fog. And I remember looking back and I said to myself, this can't be all it's about. And I don't know what put that in my head, but I said, this can't be all that it's about. And I've been a video producer since 2000. So I was baby producer at that time, but um, I like to write and I like to tell stories. And, and, and I really, I'd really started to dial in um, a couple of weeks later, just what I had learned. And I started taking like copious notes. I'm like, what did I figure out? What did I get wrong? And I got so much wrong. Like one of the biggest wrong things I ever did, when you have that much chemotherapy, uh, it takes your white blood cells way down. So after my first five treatments, I went in the next Monday with Dr. Needles and I had had a blood test and he goes, uh, your white count's a little low. And I'm like, how low? And he goes, zero. And now you're freaking <laughs> out because you're like, okay, if I get a sniffle, I'm going to die. And he said, no, no, no. All we have to do is you have to get these Nupagen shots and and you'll get it done here the first couple of times and then you'll do it you know, for the rest of your treatment. Uh, and Nupagen basically kickstarts your bone marrow to create more white blood cells. And so you learn how to do it. And so everything is, is fine. And it's coming up on my last week of chemo. I'm, I'm getting ready for, for, you know, like my last couple. And I go to pick up my Nupagen shots. My normal pharmacy didn't have them. So I had to go to a different pharmacy. So I bring the Nupagen shots home and I look in the bag and these needles are way bigger than the standard needles that I had been getting. And I quickly <laughs> realize that this is going to be the worst part of my day for the next five days. So what I did was on my final Nupagen shot, I've got no more chemo, final Nupagen shot. I'm like, I'm going to do something grandiose. So I dump the bag uh, and the contents fall into my hand. And those contents were a, a syringe and a little envelope. And in the little envelope were adapters to make the needle smaller. And so what I did was I took oh, no. a big needle and I jammed it right into my thigh um, because cancer wasn't beating me up enough. This was my penance for the puppet show of not even looking in the bag. So that is one of the things that I've learned. Like cancer beats you up a lot. Treatment beats you up a lot. It does not need your help. If you do something stupid, move on. Like, do, do not feel like you owe it to, you know, the treatment or whatever that, you know what, I, I didn't get the full hot order of everything that I was supposed to get. So damn it, you know, um, it's things like that. It's things like opening up. It's, it's just all sorts of it's things, even the little things like the banana that made a big difference. And not eating after midnight. I mean, just like, you know, like the movie Gremlins, do not eat after midnight because you'll never sleep. At all, you know, and then like when you really need sleep, you're a mess. I feel like the takeaways that I've gotten are been very clear, although maybe different than what you were trying to mm -hmm. get across was basically mm -hmm. eat bananas. Yeah. Ring <laughs> the bell. Look in the bag. You know what? There's really like, nothing else. Like <laughs> bananas. Ring the bell. Look in the bag. <laughs> 
So yeah, so that's that's it. So tell else. us about the half project. So the half fund, it's a little on hold at the moment. Okay. Um, but what's really cool is that we're still in existence and we still have every every intention of growing it once the timing is right. Yep. Right now, my partner and I, we're right in the middle of, and I hate this term, peak earning years. So, and we both have jobs that we love and we're putting kids through school and that's taking up a lot of our time, number one. Number two, what's also really cool is uh, the first project that we did with the Half Fund, and I'll kind of explain how we do it, but each project has to be an artistic medium that can actually make a profit. So a book or a movie or a documentary that you can sell. And our first happened to be my book, um, which is called The Half Book. He's taking his ball and going home, which you can get on Amazon. And so what was really cool is we set it up and we're legit not-for-profit 501c3. We're the first of its kind ever granted that by the Internal Revenue Service. And what it is, is you take all of the net profits of the book and you cut them in half. Half you keep to fund other projects. And half you give to a cancer charity of your choice. And that cancer charity for us was the American Cancer Society because they really sort of helped us out and put a little bit of faith in us when, I mean, we were just a nothing little entity. And not only that, but when I was first diagnosed, there was no Livestrong. Um, there was no, no one really taught. There was no young adult cancer movement right. in, any, in any way, shape or form. So the only answers that you could ever find were on the American Cancer Society website. So I kind of I kind of felt a little bond with them. And what's been amazing is um, for the last two and a half years, I've actually been on the leadership board of the American Cancer Society locally in St. Louis. And that's been wonderful. We've gotten to really kind of connect and engage with, not so much during COVID, which really did put a damper in things, but like engage in the community. There's these amazing houses all over the country called Hope Lodge. And Hope Lodge is for anybody who lives outside 50 miles of a major cancer center where there is a Hope Lodge. Um, during your treatment, you and a caregiver get to stay there at no charge. And it doesn't matter how long your treatment goes, whether it's a week or whether it's a year, it makes no difference. So I've had a lot of fun talking about that, helping to tell stories, doing some video work. So I get to actually use what I do to, to help further the cancer mission. And then, of course, and I also also have to bring up, uh, there's an amazing organization, too, called Stupid Cancer. And Stupid Cancer is really, they are the creme de la creme and the very first to ever really speak to young adults exclusively because we're the fastest growing group in the world from 18 to 40 that are being diagnosed with cancer. And the guy who started it is this amazing guy named Matt Zachary. He searched, like he had a brain tumor and he searched for someone to talk to. He was the antithesis of me. I wanted to talk to no one. He just wanted to talk to anyone and there was no one to talk to. So he said, if I live through this, I am going to make it so that no one ever has to fight to try find someone to talk to again. And he did. You know what? So Matt, Matt Zachary, that guy, I mean, he really rubs me the wrong way. What a little. <laughs> so Matt, we love you. Um, we were, we were fortunate to uh, interview Matt for uh, episode 20 something. I don't know. He was on the podcast with us and nice. And as you, as you mentioned, just a trailblazer and, yep. and one of those people that just takes the system says this isn't working and just busts the whole thing up. So the AYA movement, absolutely. I mean, it's so fantastic what the right. resources are now versus like you said, like when you were diagnosed, like, where do you go? Who's your, tr who's your community? What do you do? So shout out to Matt, man. We love you, buddy. 
from just meeting the people that I've met working with Trevor on this is that there's these gaps that these patients feel and they feel compelled to fix it for the people behind them. It's just amazing. And what I really love too is that yes. we're uh, the cancer community, it's too big in the sense of there's too many people who get cancer. But what what's amazing is um, we uh, we fight for each other, which I absolutely love. We totally fight for each other. Um, and, and that's an amazing thing. We realize that we are all in this together and we all have a role and we all have a place and there cannot be too much help because there's somebody, because, you know, Trevor, what you're doing may absolutely touch someone that maybe like another organization just hasn't done. Like there's this guy named Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, and he says, like someone asked him, why do you put out like 500 pieces of content a day? And if you go to Instagram, you see 500 pieces of content a day. And I love this guy. I absolutely love him because he's so smart and he cuts right through the BS. But what he said really resonated me when someone asked him that question. He goes, he said, you know what? A lot of the stuff that I say is repetitious, but some of it is said just like in a different way. And sometimes it just takes that specific line of those specific words to break through and like like a, a crack in the exterior to say, oh my God, it finally makes sense. To yeah, I, I to totally agree with you. Um, and, and I, because sometimes I'm like, man, if I say, hey, men, don't isolate during cancer one more time, like someone's just gonna just gonna punch me in the face. And then I'm mm -hmm. like, wait a minute, someone today could be hearing that for the first time and think, oh wow, okay, this is cool. Let's check this out. So I got I got to remember that. Well, and if they get close enough to punch you, you saved them. They weren't isolated. They got close, you know, like, <laughs> so I feel, like, I feel like Kellen just wants me to get punched though. I feel like that's, <laughs> that's the end game. Um, I, we, I do want to do a shout out. We're going to get to the gauntlet of random questions because we're running short on time, but I do want to give a shout out now to our mutual friend, John Novak from inspire. Um, John is just a gem of a person mm -hmm. and such a supporter of, of all the advocacy work that happens out there. And he, I was talking to John and said, Hey, I'm looking for guests for the podcast. He said, Hey, you got to talk to Dan Duffy. So John, you're the man. We appreciate you, buddy. John, love you, John. And by the way, if you ever get him talking about music, that guy is a living encyclopedia of the coolest music on the planet. I mean, he teaches me so much every time. And, and, and we've talked about this We're we're all looking forward to the day when we can go see live music again. So please God, oh, the vaccine keeps going and we finally get this herd immunity and we can go back to a shred of normalcy. I'm praying every day for it. hundred percent with you before we get to the gauntlet. Let's just revisit that term accidental activist. I know for me that coming through the crucible of, of my own cancer journey, which is still ongoing, you know, going through that and then seeking my own way to ease the burden. Like, like we were just talking about for others going through it. Um, you also have the, the, previous accident of your Wrangler crash. So, uh, which, which I'm sure colors your cancer experience as well, because you, that's a traumatic, seriously traumatic life threatening situation, right? Yeah. But just riff a little bit on accidental uh, activists and what that means to you. Um, you know, that, uh, that saying some people are born for, for greatness and others, uh, are born to have greatness sort of thrust upon them. I'm neither. Uh, I was not born for greatness by any way, shape or form. Like I, I, you know, honestly for me, greatness is if I can be a good dad and a good husband, that, that to uh, me is greatness. Yes, sir. But, uh, I believe I'm one of those weird worms that thinks that, 
everything does happen for a reason, uh, good or bad. And if something bad happens, there there has to be a lesson in it or some something that you can take from the ashes, basically, to help someone else, you know, rise into a phoenix. Uh, because honestly, the meaning of life for me is simple, is to leave the world a better place than you found it. And a lot of times you, you only get better when you get sick um, or when something bad happens. And so I, I firmly believe that anything bad that's ever happened, whether it be that, that Jeep accident or cancer or, or what have you, you know, a job loss or whatever, um, there, there's a lesson in there somewhere. And it's not like about being namby-pamby and making the most of it. That's, that's not it at all. It's the fact that I'm going to be better somehow because of it. And you just have to find that. Awesome. Very well said. There's nothing to add to that. So it is time. I have five diabolical questions here for you. It's the <laughs> gauntlet of random questions. Dan Duffy, are you prepared? As as much as I will ever be. Sure, go for it. Okay, here we go. Best Netflix or Hulu binge during the pandemic? Uh, the Umbrella Academy on Netflix. It's amazing. Kellen, have you seen it? Oh, of course. I'm married to like the nerd of all nerds. You put in anything that has a supernatural power or storyline <laughs> or came from a graphic novel or anything. Yeah, I've seen it. It's great. <laughs> that was the longest answer to the short question you just gave me. <laughs> that, that's all good because, you know, Sarah and I are looking for shows. So um, we're in. Um, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure you just called Dan a nerd, which is awesome. I'm great with that. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. If you could be any athlete for one event, who would it be? And what's that event? Oh my God. Um, is it Siri? Is it, it's going to be. No. Siri. <laughs> yeah. I'd be Yanni Molina throwing out Siri for the Astros, which makes it all the sweeter that he plays for the Astros. Ooh, um, yeah, exactly. No. Uh, if I could be any athlete in any event, I would like to be Usain Bolt in the hundred at the Olympics. That, we've had, yeah, we, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Everybody wants and, to be. <laughs> and total fast. respect for that answer. That's yeah. probably my answer as well. If you had to wear one Halloween costume every day for the rest of your life, what would we see you in? I'd have to say a clown just from the sheer reaction of fear that you get from so many people if you're dressed oh, like you a are clown. Evil. I love it. <laughs> I, was, I wouldn't say I'd enjoy looking at myself as the clown, but I would enjoy looking at other people's faces. So yeah, a clown. What actor would play you? Let's say the half movie gets done sometime down the road. What actor is going to play you in that uh, film? Nowadays, it's tough. Like back in the day, like I was told, like, you know, you look like you look like Eric Stoltz. I'm like the kid from Mask. And he goes, no, no, no. Like back when he was in Some Kind of Wonderful. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I can handle that. Okay. You know, um, so nowadays, oh, God, we're about the same age. So maybe Seth Green because he's a ging as well. So, yes. so I'd probably choose him and he's funny. He's way funnier oh, than man. I'll ever be <laughs> way funnier than I'll ever be. So yeah, he's Scott, you just don't get it. Do you Scott get away from me? You lazy eyed psycho. <laughs> I love that. We just did an Austin powers riff in this. This is the best. Okay, here we go. We're getting to the last one. And this is the most important question. This is really the debate of our time. Isn't it Kellen? Well, you know, it's the debate of this group for sure. <laughs> Pineapple on pizza, yes or no, there is no middle ground. You must choose your side. <laughs> I'm going to say yes for two reasons. Uh, number and one- it was great having Dan Duffy on the show today, everyone. <laughs> Shush it. No, I'm going to, okay. Uh, my, right, I'm my, giving you the floor. My little guy loves it, loves pineapple on pizza. So I got to back his play, number one. 
And number two, and this is one of the things that I really learned about cancer and I don't want to get serious, but like, I'm really kind of glad this sort of came up. Um, so for instance, Matt Zachary and I really disagree on this. Um, so he says, can we stop using military terminology when it comes to cancer, like a fight or a battle or whatever? And, and, and my preference and, and we have, will agree to disagree on this is yeah. that you use what works for you. If it's a right. battle or a fight for you, you use a battle or a fight. Oh man. Yes. And, exactly. And if it bugs you, you know what? I, I understand that it bugs you and I'm not going to take away your right to have it bug you. But by the same token, I, I looked at this like as a very personal thing. So a battle and a fight and a war works for me. And I do me not, too. and yeah. I, and I do not believe that like, if you die, you've lost the battle or the war. It's like Stuart Scott said right before he died, God rest yes. him. He, oh, he said, you don't lose to cancer. You win by how you live with it. Ooh, goosebumps all over. Absolutely. I agree on that. So I think what Dan is saying from that is that he's guilting you into letting people eat whatever they want on their pizzas. Yes. Because it's up to them and their choices. <laughs> yeah. He just totally pulled the wool over my totally, eyes there. Like, like he totally Jedi'd you. He Jedi he Jedi me with like an amazing a Stuart Scott reference and like, oh my God. Like, yeah, absolutely. And I forgot the fact that I fundamentally disagree with his answer. Although <laughs> He did bring in his child, which was kind of unfair and dirty play, but I'm going to accept it. Obi-Wan has taught me well. (laughs) Dan Duffy, it has been a true pleasure, man. I appreciate you coming by. Thank you for being on the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I love this. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for listening to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. If you want to get behind our mission, you can connect with us, subscribe to our email list, and check out our other content at manuptocancer.com. And if you know a man struggling with the isolation that cancer can bring, let him know about us. The Wolfpack doors are always open.